0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR.
2: Here we go. Welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Breckenridge with you, sitting in on the Chorus Radio Network for today and the next couple of weeks. Much more still to get to here today, coming up after 1130, we'll talk about official bilingualism. It's often been a sore spot, uh, I think, in Alberta. Uh, maybe not the concept of bilingualism, but, but the way it's it's been enforced, or maybe how it's come to, to represent a certain approach toward Quebec. But we're going to look specifically at the question of whether Supreme Court justices should be required by law to be bilingual, and that's a change the federal government is uh, now proposing. So we'll talk about that coming up after 11.30. But off the top in this hour, the conversation uh, around uh, single-event sports betting, which is still illegal in Canada under the criminal code of Canada. You might be wondering, well, Rob, I mean, I can go buy a sports select ticket. Yeah, you can. Uh, parlay betting is, is legal in Canada. Single-event sports betting is not. You might be saying, well, Rob, I can go on to any number of websites and bet on events, which is true. Yes, you can. And that's part of the argument here, that a lot of this is happening offshore. So why do we maintain this prohibition, given that in various forms, people are engaging in this activity? The landscape has shifted a lot as well in recent years. A pretty important Supreme Court decision in the U.S. has led to some big changes there. Increasingly, professional sports organizations of the big leagues in North America, which previously were against this, have embraced this change. So the attempt to legalize uh, single-event sports betting has come close in the past but has failed. Is this time going to be different? There are actually two pieces of legislation currently before the House of Commons, a government bill and a private member's bill, both aiming to uh, amend the criminal code and legalize this practice. So joining us to talk a bit more about where things stand and whether this time is actually going to be different. very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this morning, Paul Burns he is uh, with the Canadian Gaming Association. Paul, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me uh, so first of all and, and help us understand or at least as as you understand it, is there any significant difference between these two bills and and why it is that there are two bills currently before the House on this? <laughs>
0: Well, I'll, I'll give you some history. Um, uh, about a year ago, uh, Bill C-218 was introduced by Saskatchewan MP Kevin Watt uh, as a private members bill um, due to the pandemic and the House suspended rules. So really was no private members dealt, dealt with until this past fall. Um, but at the same time, the government, sensing that there was a uh, a lot of pressure coming from various sectors, including professional sports, uh, when they were closed down, is being able to come out of lockdown and, and, this, and the impacts of COVID that both the professional sports leagues and the gaming industry has that, that, that's been made a priority. And uh, the government responded at the end of November, bringing forth their own bill C13. Um, and it's interesting because government bills tend to move a little quicker. Sometimes we thought this was a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, over the last couple months, and just once in December, once in January, bill the government bill C13 was put up for scheduled for debate, but then at the last minute they pulled it off the agenda. Um, C218 kept moving through the process, and and that came up for a vote last week. Uh, was overwhelmingly endorsed by the members of the House of Commons, three hundred and three to fifteen. Um, the Prime Minister showed up to vote for it. as were many ministers and on um, the opposite. It
2: was kind of a party. weird moment, by the way. People may have seen that yeah. clip of the Prime Minister voting. It was, it was a it little was. weird, but he did huh. vote yes. He did vote yes.
0: He did vote yes. Um, but subsequent to the vote, um, uh, the government um, actually sought to suspend the consideration of C thirteen. They asked for. A ruling the next day from the speaker, who uh, on the similarities between the two bills and the the difference is really in one measure. There was a a, an addition to the government bill that would prohibit single event wagering on on horse racing. So you can only use permutual wagering to bet on horse racing. That's what the industry had asked for the government had done it in their bill. So that's the only difference. The Speaker ruled that the bills are similar and that C-13 could not proceed as long as 218 was on the order paper. So we have Mm C-218 as the bill. It starts in committee tomorrow. Um, And C-13 will sit in abeyance. Um, If it's not needed, it will just die on the order paper at some point. So we're down to one bill, and we're moving forward with C-218, which is Kevin Waugh, conservative member from Saskatchewan, his bill. And um, with the governor, full support of the government, um, the 303 votes was uh, – and there's been very little, I think, in the House of Commons that has garnered 303 votes. So we're quite uh, uh, encouraged by that. And the committee process will carry on in the next uh, few weeks uh, and hope to have the bill passed by the House and into the Senate uh, sometime in early April, if all goes well. So right. now, uh, that's the process. Yes. Right.
2: Yes, now I mean it shows that things have certainly changed this time around because previous attempts have either not made it out of the House or or have died in the Senate. So talk about why it seems that that just the whole conversation has shifted. What's different this time uh, the,
0: the biggest difference has, has been um, the last bill to pass House Commons was in two thousand twelve um, and it died in the Senate because the Senate refused to vote on it the this time it's it's really the professional sports leagues have, have clearly changed their opinion on sports wagering in large part because of the federal prohibition in the united states on sports wagering was struck down by the supreme court and what you've seen is a rapid expansion um, across the states uh, there's probably about 20 jurisdictions now uh, it's been a little over two years since that was struck down so there's been uh, they've been moving fairly quickly uh, the, for all the professional leagues have really embraced through marketing partnerships and data sh- selling agreements, um, finding a new revenue stream for themselves. Uh, it's taken off uh, quite dramatically. And so the interest is continuing to rise by sports fans and, and people wanting to bet on sports. And so we're continuing to see an increase in activity and it's, it's clear that um, sports wagering, because of the volume of the legal wagering done by Canadians through offshore online sites or books, sports books run by organized crime, that there's a, it's an activity that's out there, and it needs to be regulated and brought under control. So I think everybody is now um, in the, on the same page from provinces, labor groups, business, sports leagues, amateur sport groups. Um, it's pretty much universal that it's time to get this done, get it into a better regulated environment where we can protect customers, protect athletes. Right.
2: And that, that would fall to the provinces, right? It seems like the federal government's role here is, is simply to remove it from the criminal code. I mean, is, is that pretty much it?
0: It is. Because in, back in 1985, um, the federal government basically ceded all involvement of gaming to the provinces. And actually that was done really to facilitate... Um, the province of Alberta trying to do uh, some lottery activities in, to support the Calgary Winter Olympics and uh, the day, and so there was a, that was a motivation, and that still holds. So the federal government really, the criminal code, it's there's overarching laws against gaming reside in the criminal code. There has been a precedent back in 1998. There was a request by the provinces to permit dice games because you couldn't play craps because dice were outlawed. Um that change was made by the then liberal government. Um and this is so this is the mechanism the provinces have. Unfortunately this time we've had the the provinces have had to ask for now about eleven years, twelve years, <laughs> been asking for this change. Um so hopefully we'll get this done. But that's really what they're doing. They're enabling the provinces then to decide within their jurisdictions how they wish to offer sports betting. And some and the provinces are evaluating those Opportunities now and how they wish to do it.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, provinces might take different approaches to this, and that's fine, and that's how it's designed in, in Canada anyway. But you know, the point about you know letting this opportunity pass us by once again. What, what do you see as the risk of of Canada being left behind as other countries, and especially the United States, move to to continue to to regulate this?
0: Well, there's a number of one, you still allow an illegal bookmaking operation to flourish, and there's the Criminal Intelligence Service of Canada, their annual report from 2019 talked about motorcycle gangs using online gaming and other gaming activities to help launder money, to funding their illicit activities. There is that. There is the real one we were hoping to tell in committee and see told is that there's lost opportunity for Canadian companies. We have a lot of members, the Canadian Gaming Association, that covers media group out of Halifax, for example, covers.com. They provide sports and betting information and data. They provide it to newspaper publications and media outlets around the world. They have their own site where they do um, on sports betting. They have staff. They can expand their business in Halifax if if this is passed because they know they can do more business. Uh, Company called Fans Unite is a sports betting platform technology provider out of Vancouver, really a startup. The group there, they can hire more people in Canada in technology jobs if this passes. The Score, which is probably the most well-known sports book, is a Canadian
2: Mm -hmm. book
0: operated um, by Score Media and the Levy Channel. It's an app that a lot of Canadians have on their phone for sports information. They would like to run their sports book in Canada. They currently, they're based in Toronto, but they operate in markets in the United States. So there's real opportunity for Canadian business. There is real um, opportunity for communities and gaming uh, operators who have been severely impacted uh, by COVID to come out of this with a new product potentially that can help drive patrons in to a sports bar environment in the casino um, and help give us access to a product we haven't have been able to have, though Canadians can still get it. Illegally, and so there's a whole host of benefits. Um, there's greater consumer protection because I get calls from lots of people who have problems getting their money out of online sites in various parts of the world. Um, there's protection for players through responsible gaming programs that come with that regulated environment. So it's there's a, a lot of reasons to do this, and there's a lot of and it's a lot of lost opportunity if it's not again. And it's only because it's not going away, it's continuing to grow. and we need a simple amendment to allow the provinces then to take and do what they do. And they've done well over the last three decades they've been running and overseeing the gaming business is that they will take and do what's best for the offering for their jurisdiction.
2: We'll keep a close eye on it, see how things play out in the weeks ahead. Uh, much more at uh, canadiangaming.ca. Paul, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Appreciate it.
0: I appreciate you having me. Thanks again.
2: All right, cheers. Paul Burns, president CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association. we got to take a break here. Plenty more still to get to. Rob Breckenridge with you here on the Chorus Radio Network. Hey, this is cool. On the topic of gaming, uh, the Alberta government uh, just announcing today what they're calling jackpots for junior hockey. Presented by Remax, a joint 50-50 draw launched today by the Western Hockey League and the Alberta Junior Hockey League. We'll share proceeds with Alberta's five WHL teams and 15 AJHL teams to help offset revenues lost because of the pandemic and suspension of play. So the WHL about to get going, the AJHL set to get going in March. And so this announced today, and that'll certainly help those teams. A few minutes here before the bottom of the hour, let's go back to the phones. And uh, we've got Richard... Uh, who's been uh, good morning, hey, sir. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh,
1: can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Regarding the uh, Grace Life Church and the, uh, now the uh, the other one further south, um, it's kind of blown me away because as an Indigenous person, I, I would confidently say that if, say if that was a Native gathering, like a round dance or a powwow, or if it was a mosque, would uh, would we be treated the same way given that privilege of no charges? I mean, not if, but when deaths occur from, from them not following COVID protocol. I mean, that's going to be a super spreader, most likely. Um, and, you know, it's not about, you know, when I saw the clip on, on Global News, Mr. James Coates, it's not about the religion. This guy, he's, he's being empowered. This is about his ego. This is this megalomania. And if people like that are left unchecked, I don't know if you remember 1978 uh, People's Temple, Jonestown. You know, Reverend Jim Jones. I mean, this is where Mm -hmm. it could go. If people like that, why aren't there charges? And again, not if. There will be deaths probably from that, from that congregation super spreading. Why are they not being charged? You know, they need to start, and they saying investigate, investigate. Well, what's there to investigate? They're breaking the rules. They're going to cause a super spreader. People will die. This person needs to be criminally charged, at least. Criminal negligence, causing, causing death, you know, something to that effect that, that's not right. And again, it's, it's just, to me, privilege. And if that was my people or, or the Muslim nation, I'm pretty sure there would have been charges. Paddy wagons would have been lined up outside. But people like that need to be checked really quick, because we know where that goes. But thank you so much.
2: Richard, appreciate the phone call. I mean, look, it's a tough situation. And, and again, it's one of those areas where, you know, you got some voices saying the province is overreacting, and, and others saying, why aren't we doing more? Uh, you know, the pastor, by his own choice, has, has opted to not follow any of these injunctions and is in the remand center at the moment as a result. So what comes of this? got a text here says rob i find it interesting this church adheres to the civically imposed fire code limits on the number of people who can be in that building yet ignores the civically imposed limits by health officials i wonder what basis the pastoral team feels that god approves uh, of their compliance with one civic order but not the other i mean look a lot of this feels political not theological and and maybe it makes more sense to look at it through that lens i think the good news is for the most part faith communities of all different kinds understand the balance the government is trying to strike here. They're not looking to be a part of the problem. The government has tried to all along. err on the side of allowing some semblance of religious gathering, but this is obviously going too far, I think. All right, much more still to come. We're back with more right after this.
0: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.